Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Cutback Podcast, where we keep our head on a swivel to bring you our living room commentary on the latest and greatest from the world of sports and the business that surrounds it. I'm Ian Burley. I'm Cullen Munns, and we're off and running. Opening day Christmas? Is that what you're telling the people today? It feels like it, man. There's just anticipation running through me. You you see it on your calendar. I'm getting excited. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure I won't be able to sleep the night before. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to wake up really, I'm going to be at the stadium at 5 a.m. It's like rushing to the Christmas tree, you know, like when you wake up first thing, it's, it's, it's a thing. Are you going to lay your outfit out for opening day, lay it out the night before, before you go to bed, maybe sleep in it? Uh, I'm not going to sleep in it, uh, but I am probably going to lay it out because it's a full suit. And so I, if I'm Ooh. waking up, you, you know me, uh, I'm not the best in the morning. So uh, I would probably like walk out missing a piece of the suit in some way, shape, or form, if I put it all together that morning of. So yeah, probably will end up laying laying the clothes out. Okay, these bring up a couple good questions. One, uh, what determines your game day attire? Is it always a suit? Do you have team polos that you'll be rocking some days? What are we looking at? Uh, in Detroit, uh, it's opening day is a suit, and then everything else is business casual uh, for game days. But on the whole, everybody treats opening day like, it's a big thing. So everybody suits up. Okay. I like that. Number one, uh, business casual. So do you not get team polos? Is that what I'm hearing? And, and you just, Oh kinda... no, we get, I got the old English D on everything. I got oh. like quarter. I got some QZs, some quarter zips. I got some, I got some fleeces, some, uh, some hoodies. Uh, I don't, I don't think I have got a polo yet, but I've got like, I've even got like dual branded, like red wings, tiger stuff. And I don't Ooh. even work. I don't even work for the red wings. So is all your tiger stuff uh, official Nike gear? Uh, I do have official Nike gear, but no, some of it's like like the quarter zips and stuff. Uh, like I think are like Antigua or something. Yeah, whatever's being sold in the pro shop type deal. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, final question here. In your role, for people who don't know, Colin is uh, managing partnerships for the Tigers, so helping make sure that brands are getting everything out of their contractual partnerships with the tigers as sponsors how much whining and dining are you doing with these folks during the day are they whining and dining you so i haven't been wined and dined yet i'm only uh, i've only been on the job about three months at this point so it's been a lot of uh just figuring it out uh, at this point still getting my sea legs under me if you will um but honestly in the past two years no i don't think there's been a lot of whining and dining just with the you know the whole pandemic and everything going on so I think that's something they're trying to bring back. But I think there's a subsect of people who are reluctant to accept that or even keep doing that kind of stuff, uh, you know. And, and so I think it's been a, a slowly accepted practice as coming back. Oh, as you mean, as in like whining and dining is returning to the field of play. Correct. And it's been slower than I think most would imagine. I don't think many people are like, oh, yeah, I'm really excited. Let's go meet with strangers and, you know, wine and dine, to use your term. I don't I don't think that's so I think I think like the job itself, if you just looked at it on paper, the job itself is just executing a contract and just making sure that everything in that contract actually happens the way it's supposed to. That's really all that my job is. It's not but uh, you, if you talk to my boss, my boss would tell you it's relationship building and it's making sure that when we do have those oopsie daisies, whoopsie doodle moments that happen, undoubtedly, 
the relationship so good with the partner that they they aren't upset or if they are upset we have something ready to make you know make it good well and that relationship piece is going to be part of the uh kind of decision making process when partners are looking to renew or not right like there's gonna be a lot that goes into it their own budgetary concerns like you said the main squeeze the performance of the partnership which is partially hinging on how well you execute the contractual assets, you know, and, and managing that contract. But as somebody who's in, in an agency and, you know, we're on the brand side of, of hearing kind of what goes into these decisions, that relationship and that direct point of contact with the team can make a huge difference in, in keeping a relationship, leaving a relationship, being more, abrasive i guess trying to get what you want out of a relationship so yeah it's 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 a it's a a dual world i think oh and for sure and i'll tell you i'll tell you i would if you asked me three months ago i would probably tell you i was a staunch believer that like the relationship aspect didn't matter because and i i truly thought it was it was on the back burner because i thought if you just executed what was in on the contract in the contract like, what is there to be mad about? There shouldn't be a relationship. I'm doing what they're asking. I don't want to be their friend. You know, like that was the, the, the way of thinking. But now, since I've kind of been forced into like this relationship building kind of point of view, I, I'm kind of realizing like there's been some difficult conversations that have come up, particularly with those CBA talks, you know, and, and, that I had no control over that, that the fact that the CBA talks were bad and that it was a pretty rocky situation. And it was so much easier to just talk to the partners that I had good relationships with. It was so much easier to have those discussions with them as opposed to the ones who maybe were a little more, I haven't had the chance to develop that relationship yet. It was so much easier to, cause I think, I think people, have a problem when you're like nice and you you consider somebody a friendly person you have a problem it's harder to be a dick you know yeah it definitely is i mean we know that across everything right like i was just listening to one of my coworkers give a lunch and learn today actually to our interns and she was talking about how especially in b2b uh people buy from people not they don't necessarily buy the products they buy from people because especially in our standpoint of like an agency, like, sure, can we sell ourselves as having some competitive advantages and points of differentiation amongst other agencies? Sure. But in the grand scheme of things, at a very macro level, like all agencies are essentially doing the same shit. So part of what helps you get in the room and what helps put you kind of in farther along in the RFP process is the relationships that your business development people are able to create with those brands, your segment leads who are really kind of like leading the pitch process and talking about what the different products and services are that we can offer and how we would do things and how we would execute on their behalf. So yeah, it's interesting. And and you're definitely right. Those hard conversations are easier to have with somebody who you trust, respect, and know like ultimately is trying to also make this work and isn't trying to fuck you. Right. And I think that's the, you know, the fine line that that you try to tell is like, I'm obviously always team tigers and like, whatever the tigers say, I'm going to do. But at the same time, my ultimate goal is to make it work. And I think that's, 
the whole beauty of it. It's kind of the way that I've kind of leaned into this like relationship building, quote unquote, aspect of it. It's like, I'm trying to make this work, you know, be with me kind of deal. It's the most, the best relationship I've ever had. It's, it's funny on the agency side of things. Like I, I don't see this as much, um, our client services, people definitely deal with it like every single day. Um, obviously, like I said, like our BD folks and probably more of like my boss and that level of people who are like leading segments have to kind of put that wine and dine relationship face on sometimes to me. And this has even been like a hot take within like the people I've talked to at the agency is like, we have to wine and dine the brands. And I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. Like, I get that they're selecting us and they're paying us, but we're doing all the work for them. Like, shouldn't they be like whining and dining us and like sending us Christmas gifts to the office? Like, I'm a little confused as to how this is working. Um, so that's just like funny to me sometimes of like, wait a minute, like. No, y'all are friends. It's supposed to be a two way street of whining and dining. Remember that's the like, whole. Oh. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to bust my ass on your behalf. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. You see, you're framing it as a bribe for them. I, I to, know, that's it's not. It's not. A, that's not the case. No, this uh, you're supposed to be team relationship builder. So you're supposed to be a two way street of mutual gift giving because yes. that is one of the love languages. Is that in book talk this week? Uh, the love languages can always be in book talk. We do have a scintillating book talk on deck this week. Another book that I think falls into the category of. 100% would recommend to the people, but listen, we'll leave it at well, that. Hold on. That's we got to peel, we got to peel the curtain back a little bit before we, we launch the airwaves of this, this recording today, <laughs> Ian had the, the, the audacity to ask me if this was a book podcast <laughs> and, and, and folks, I want to tell you at the outset, while book talk is a segment on this podcast, much like we are not a hockey podcast, we are not a book podcast. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. But if you read some of the books that we talk about, that's cool too. Yes, well, it's it's a it's a it's like a cake, and it's just the, that's like the icing on our cake is the book talk. We 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 like to show we're a well-rounded unit, and that's we can't be well-rounded if we're only book a book podcast. Yeah, listen, we're holistic gentlemen, okay. Exactly. Also, that you just mentioned cake. Um, we definitely did the right thing by gifting the rest of that cake to the kitchen because one, we simply could not eat any more food. And two, we weren't going to carry this cake around with us for the rest of the night. But God damn it, if I couldn't go for a piece of that cake right now, dude, that sounds so good. Oh, that cake was incredible. Hey, uh, for the for the hundreds of thousands listening, uh, our boy Jan, uh, one of the the Ira Glass of the Cutback Pod, <laughs> uh, had a birthday um, a couple weeks ago. Oh, sh four weeks ago now. Yeah. Um, I've now officially been thirty for like a month. It's I feel like I have to turn in my like. Uh, my like rookie card like i can no longer say like oh i just turned 30 it's like nope i'm fucking 30 no you're 30 you're like you're like <laughs> full-fledged you're like full-fledged adult like you don't even get by you don't even get by with people thinking like you're a young adult anymore it's like you're you're the real mccoy yeah yeah but continue on i'm sorry um so we we had a good time in chicago had a nice cake uh in chicago that's what the cake reference is that he's he's talking about Yes. It's a good time. Yes. If you haven't been to if you haven't been to the Vig, uh may I may I recommend it if you find yourself in in summertime shy. The Vig, the Loyalist, oh, Loyalist. 
who bandit? I mean, just rattle them off. None of them are sponsors. Just giving out free ads here. Left you don't right. want to go upstairs at bandit and just hope you survive. That's basically what you're going to want to do. And watch out for the fucking sprinklers, bottle service things flying around. Think uh, Little Wayne and Jeezy said it best. Just I'm going in. I'm going in. <laughs> and it's going to be hard not to go hard. So the <laughs> people um, we talked about feeling like we're getting fucked over or people not wanting to feel like they're fucked over. And this leads us right into our first work topic of the week. It's something that I know you and I have talked about off air. I don't know that we've ever talked about on the podcast, but this whole topic is on the impetus of seeing that the Buffalo bills are prepared to build a brand new, you know, state of the art, spectacular stadium. And it's talking about how much money is going to be paid by the owners of the Buffalo Bills versus how much money is going to be fronted and paid by the people of Buffalo and the state of New York. That's 60% of the stadium is going to be covered by public money. And it always just brings this, this thought up to me of billionaire owners getting the public to pay for their brand new stadiums. And the kind of dichotomy of feelings that I have around that practice. Oh, I mean, there's a ton of feelings. I, I mean, but I just take, I mean, you'll never, the, the capitalist system we have in place will never stop this. And, and, and there's, and I also, but I also, there is some merit to the owner's argument in that I think the city of Buffalo benefits from the Buffalo Bills being there. Oh, without a doubt. They definitely do, but the only benefits and, more than the city, I think. Financially, sure. But I would tell you the city government benefits financially from having the Buffalo Bills there too. And the city at Buffalo at large. No, no, no. Ben- I complete I completely agree that they both benefit, but who which entity benefits more, you think, financially? Uh, and see, that's that's my point, is I would argue that if you took the stadium out of Buffalo, the city of Buffalo would suffer a lot worse than the owner would uh, because they could just go to another city. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is their exact leverage point. And it's why almost every single new stadium that gets built has at least some portion of public money. Many of them are 50% plus public money through different bonds, increased taxes. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that it happens too, and, and not all of them are as direct of a burden on the people of the city. Like in Vegas, I think they raise like the hotel tax. So it's like, okay, that's mostly hitting tourists and not necessarily like the people of Vegas, but it's just always that weird thing, right? Of like, these owners are worth literally billions of dollars. And- but I also think it's it's so messed up. Ian, that we're talking about like the owners being like these bad guys and all this and this, these city government's public money and the use and funneling of public money is these hey we put like this halo effect on it the public officials are they make fifa look like angels oh no without a doubt without let's not act doubt. like we're running this pristine city <laughs> government ta- no. public public dollars use operation everywhere either like there is some crooked stuff going on there. So it's hard to cheer for them too. Yeah, no, it's, and, and realistically like, okay, I would pay whatever it took probably to keep a team, but I'm, but we're also, there are a lot of people who couldn't give a fuck, right? Like the bills don't 
bring value to them. It doesn't make their lives any better. Buffalo is the third poorest city in the what? U.S. Apparently. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, but the, the bills doesn't bring any impact to their life, maybe directly, but indirectly, yes, the bills do because you see how many people come to Buffalo on a Sunday in the fall. And if there's other, like a football stadium's a tougher sell. I get that because there's way more dark days, especially in a football stadium in Buffalo. But, you know, if they're building a new state-of-the-art stadium, put a roof on it potentially to where you could hold, you could not have so many dark days, then you get even more economic impact just from living in the city of Buffalo. Like you, you will receive some impact. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. You brought up something that has been a point of contention on the internet because the initial drawings for the new stadium, which is set to open before the 2026 season, no roof outdoor stadium. I personally am all for it. Like I wish the lions had an outdoor stadium. Like I think teams in the cold should have outdoor stadiums personally. Like that's part of why I like college games and as much as this is going to pain me to say this, it's why I like have enjoyed going to games at Lambeau because to watch the Lions, number one, to watch the Lions, I'm not <laughs> I was going to say, not I just going to we there. had sellout Ian, not just going to Lambeau, but to, to watch a Lions game there is dope, especially if it's, and of the three games I've been there, one, it rained the whole time. And another one, it was in late November and was cold. And I'm like, yeah, this is like, I was born. This is football. Dude, okay, I hear this point. I, this is a, only a point that matters in the Midwest. You Midwesterners <laughs> are weird, and y'all are like, we like to freeze and watch football. We love it. Fine. We know it's our competitive advantage. That, like, I don't care. Don't care. <laughs> Guys, it's 2022. We can do this. It's called a retractable roof. If y'all want to freeze your tits off in, in November for the Lions, we'll open it up and just let <laughs> – and just let the snow pour in, and then and oh, then guess man. what? Lions clear out Monday. We can have a concert. Let's close that thing up, turn the heat on, and have a concert in here, dude. How wild would it be to have a stadium with a retractable roof and intentionally open the roof in the, in bad conditions? That would be crazy. They, they just, this is the way y'all think in the Midwest. <laughs> this is what y'all want. You would want that. I think if they, if they held a vote in the Midwest, because guess what? You go to Texas. They won't open it ever. They never open it. It'll it could be beautiful conditions. They won't open it because they're like it's. You know why? Because it's perfect conditions inside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a balmy sixty-eight. No humidity. It's <laughs> right. It's no wind. Nothing. And then you go to the Midwest, and y'all are like, I got fourteen hand warmers, my feet warmers, three layers four beanies i can't feel anything i am ready to watch some football <laughs> now tell me the michigan ohio state game wouldn't have been different it was if it that was in a dome you tell me right now it, you can't it, you can't okay yes but if that was michigan indiana and not michigan <laughs> ohio yes it would have sucked it would have been a little more miserable for sure <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that's fair. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up in this because I didn't know that this was a thing. Actually, have you heard of the NFL's G four loan program? Uh, I thought G four was like some gaming channel. I thought G four was a jet, maybe <laughs> like a I private. Think it's a G six. I think it's a G six. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Fly like a G six. Well, so there was never a G one, two, three, four, five. We just went right to six. Isn't that how iPhone does it? They just skip numbers every periodically. Yeah, true. That's very true. 
Um, okay, so the G4 loan program, the league is able to provide a loan of like X amount of dollars. I think it's, I don't think there's like a cap on it. It seems to be like a case by case from the little bit of reading that I did for teams specifically seemingly around like new stadium expenditures. So or I should say stadium expenditures. So either new stadium or large renovation, because obviously like it behooves the league for the stadiums to be nice, obviously like right. it behooves the league for teams that have nice stadiums. They obviously have enough money. There is, there is like a, a prestige to the word professional. Yeah, for sure. And Nicer stadiums mean more fans, easier, better fan experience. They look good on TV for sponsors, so on and so forth. Um, so it, what's interesting about this is the league in this instance is going to provide $200 million worth of funding. The Bills ownership, which is the Pegula family, they also own the Buffalo Sabres, Sabres. as well as like a the women's. Bandits. Yeah, the, the Bandits and like a women's box hockey team or something or lacrosse team. I don't know. Um, is, isn't it's there's no such thing as box hockey, isn't it? Just box lacrosse, yeah. You're right. Sorry, <laughs> my, I was like, What is a box hockey? Is it? I want to watch that. Getting my obscure Canadian and Northeast United States sports mixed up. Um, but they will only be required to pay back 50 million of that, the other 150 million will be covered by the visiting team's share of ticket revenue over at the stadium over the next 25 years. I like that. So the league is basically like you pay you pay tax every time you go to Buffalo. Yeah, but but why is it that the visiting team ticket share is being used rather than the Bills t- like ticket share? No, no, no. The visiting team gets revenue from the home team's ticket share. Yes. Correct. Right. So they're just taking the visiting teams. They're just basically saying instead our money share pot that we have normally as a league, your yep. gate share, we're just it for the anytime you go to Buffalo, your slice of the pie is just going to get hacked off because we all agree Buffalo's got a dog ass stadium. Uh, so, and so Buffalo's holding us back. Guess who's next in line? Cincinnati. Yeah, but isn't that kind of crazy that like, okay, for 150 million of those dollars, actually other teams in the league are going to pay that 150 million. Right. No, it's all collusion. They're they're this is why they're a monopoly. They're colluding to bring their bottom weight link up. Yeah. And I guess what comes around goes around, right? Like when it's somebody else's stadium, the Bills pay part of that G4. Loan. Well, and let but let's also think about it. Like Look at all the new stadiums that have popped up over the next over the last five ten years, whatever. Let's call it Oakland. I got a I got a name for you there. Since 1997, 24 stadiums in the NFL have either been significantly renovated, renovated, or built new. So that's Ooh. it. 25 years. Let me let me. I can but I can name them all. Uh, but like the bottom of the the bottom of the barrel now, the the, the ones that are ba- the quote unquote bad ones. Buffalo is probably toward the top, and guess what? Buffalo's a good team, so there's more eyeballs coming on Buffalo these years, and so they need to. They're like, ah, crap, we got to get Buffalo up to speed, like because uh, they're going to have more eyeballs coming from ESPN, Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football. All the eyeballs are coming to Buffalo, and uh, and now I'm blanking on his name uh, from Denver, Von Miller, like just signed there, so even more eyeballs going there, and now so they're like a league initiative. We got to prop up Buffalo. And I'm telling you right now that cigar smoking fool in Cincinnati is next. 
<laughs> you got an LSU law shirt on. You watch your tone. <laughs> I think can I don't I'm not bashing him for smoking a cigar. I think he's got so much swag it's oozing out of him. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure on the connotation of fool there. I, w- I wasn't sure if you were bashing a little bit. No, no bash. No bash. He is he the did, coolest he, person alive. He did start his career at Ohio State. So uh, there is a small degree of fool there. I got asked at that Super Bowl party uh if you could be like, it was like this question, if you could be one person right now, who would it be? And I said, well, it would either be fucking Joey Burrow or at that time. And even still now, ASAP Rocky, who was freshly off of a Rihanna pregnancy announcement. <laughs> I said, wow, <laughs> folks, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna leave that for the off the air discussion. Uh, sorry, or, man. <laughs> cut, cut back late night, <laughs> cut back late night, cut back after dark. Um, one other thing that we will continue to keep our eyes on in the stadium realm. Well, I guess two, because I just saw another one on, on Twitter in the past couple of days. The Washington Commanders have a new stadium bill worth like $3 billion. That's in Virginia legislation right now. So we'll keep an eye on that. There's some interesting stipulations that the government is trying to in, uh, institute. Um, we can talk about that when it kind of becomes more of a thing or not and also i saw twitter talking about kansas city maybe trying to get a new stadium arrowhead was was built in 1977 shout out mad dog uh i think there would be riots if they tore down arrowhead just because it's such a but iconic yeah i mean but so so were a lot of stadiums they tore down so i guess yeah and you know what i think arrowhead is one of those anti-rosentrop parking lot surrounded stadium. Oh, it's definitely an anti-Rosentraub establishment. But the only thing they did do well is they butted it up to Kaufman right there. So it, it's at least they did it kind of follow the model of put it put it all in one area. Yeah, that's true. They they got like it 20% right. <laughs> yeah, I'd give them a 20. This was the 70s though. Had, had Rosentraub instituted the people with his knowledge yet at this point? Rosentraub was probably running the crazy streets of Ann Arbor at that point. Like he was probably running up and down South U. Yeah, he was in Fleetwood Diner for sure. For sure, and maybe partook a little bit in the in the lettuce. No, not Rosentraub. <laughs> oh man, uh, let's move into the sport of your career, and that's Major League Baseball. We've talked about obviously Major League Baseball tumultuous couple years with different cba agreements um people even still bitching about like the blackout situations on cable television this that and the other but there's actually been some a couple what i would see like as positive financial pieces of news that have come out about major league baseball over the past week the first one is in our realm it's a sponsorship capital one signed a deal a deal with major league baseball five years 125 million that's not a small investment for a brand to make. They got to have some belief in a league to pay $25 million a year. They're going to do all types of stuff across Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, and even Little League. I think that's cool when when brands take that opportunity to really uh, kind of service all aspects of the sport in the country. It obviously is also self-serving to them because they're getting in front of younger audiences and doing all that shit, right? So it's always a quid pro quo. The other thing, uh, talking about team valuations, the average Major League Baseball team has a valuation of just over $2 billion, which is a 9% increase from this time last year. 
So the money still thinks that baseball is viable and they're going to figure it out. Even when we sometimes get bogged down in the craziness and contentiousness of CBA negotiations and thinking Rob Manfred, Manfred is generally incompetent at best. Um, Commissioner Manfred, if you're listening, I never once called you <laughs> incompetent. That was my co-host. Don't here. go listen to the first like ten or fifteen <laughs> episodes of this podcast. Yeah, don't listen before I was hired. You know, back <laughs> in my minor league days, <laughs> before I knew better. Uh, but no, in the it, so first off, in the Capital One deal, man, like it's. I mean, it's good for baseball. It's great for the sport. It's but. The point you made of that you kind of painted it in a bad light of the quid pro quo, like this for that kind of setup. I, I I'm gonna flip it around perspective wise. Both of these companies are Major League Baseball is using Capital One. It's a mutual oh, partnership. Yeah. I mean, they're I think they're both elevating themselves, and I think it's it's they're using the way society works to elevate their brand. That's the whole point of marketing. But I think where we can dive into the wrongdoings and swindleness of marketing later but <laughs> but i i genuinely i don't think it's a necessarily a quid pro quo as a, as opposed to like this mutual kumbaya raising of brands and and major league baseball and capital one in this situation the team valuations part this is the part that i think most people were are shocked by and but i'll just tell you man uh from from in my heart of hearts like Baseball's not going anywhere. Like the people who call it boring, the people who say it's it's dying, a dying sport, it's not going anywhere. There's too many games. They make too much money. Like it, there, there's over 3 million people that go into every single Major League Baseball stadium a season. Like that's that's nuts. Like it, you're not, that just doesn't just fall away and die. So, uh, you know, I don't – while I think the, uh, some of these valuation numbers are kind of – Well, as valuation is, it's always uh, an art and a science. Uh, yeah, yeah, art and a science is one word. I would say smoke and mirrors is another. <laughs> um, but but I, it's, it's everything. I mean, you could attribute a lot of this to inflation too. I, I mean, everything costs more these days. I mean, uh, the, the more shocking part to me was the list. Uh, because you saw there were some teams on there, particularly the Astros, who were further down than I thought they would have been. Um, I'd never in a million years, I, I guess it's the new stadium, never would have told you the Astros who come off five straight ALCSs are less valuable than the Rangers. Yeah, I was surprised by that one too, actually. That one doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Because well, Houston I mean, is also a bigger metro area than Arlington. Well, Dallas, and that's that's the whole. You're you're running right into like the whole Houston Dallas, why they hate each other because Houston's always the quote unquote like bigger. We're bigger. We're like the blue collar people, and then Dallas gets all the valuation, and and they're like every, the fancy people, you know, and they all get the hype, the media. Well, speaking of those fancy people, apparently Jerry Jones has a legal situation. I, I'm unaware of this, so you're gonna have to fully fill me in, unless well, I just have blacked it out of my brain like okay what's going on hold on so one that's something i really want to call to attention that the fact that you didn't even know about it whereas i don't know if you've heard there was a quarterback who had a legal situation for the last year and it was literally all that you could talk we could talk about in football the entire offseason 
Okay, well, before we make that comparison, what are what is Jerry Jones's legal situation? Does he also have twenty two sexual? No, it's not twenty two. It's not twenty two sexual assault cases. But neither Deshaun Watson has no criminal cases against him either. Okay, but up until this point, so what's the Jerry Jones situation? No, up and he's the criminal all got cleared. Right, but uh, like oh, Jerry Jones only made no, no, no. Even with Deshaun, we were only made aware that they were going to be cleared recently. So it was always like a people weren't sure what was going to happen. That I'm more so just asking, what did Jerry Jones do? Uh, so there is a, a lady who uh, shall remain nameless, who has come out um, and said she is the daughter of Jerry Jones. Oh, shit. <laughs> and that Jerry Jones paid his, her mother hush money uh, to remain quiet about the pregnancy what, during the uh, 90s and paid the woman $300,000 over the course of 20 years. A total uh, of 300000 over total. 20 years? Oh, yes. man, that's a bad deal. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Jerry got away with one there. That's, uh, all, that's basically nothing. That's all, like almost literally no dollars. <laughs> uh, really, it's it's a crisp high five is really what it is. Yeah. Uh, In uh, anybody's money. In our money, that's a crisp high five. Yeah, and that's Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys. And this this uh this alleged um conception. Oh my gosh, said, that's only fifteen thousand dollars a year. <laughs> uh this alleged conception happened in the early nineties, so similar time to when you and I were born. And I don't know if you heard who was doing really well in football in the early nineties. Uh um, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, the the how about them cowboys? How about uh, so um Jerry is getting uh, caught himself in a little legal hot water because he is um, being – she's bringing charges that he pretty much illegally pressured the mother into – coerced her, if you will, into okay. this contract. Uh, and also that he pretty much took away his daughter's life and, and didn't give her the life she was entitled to. You know, you, entitled is not the word, but you you get what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, she was somewhat – born into ish yeah <laughs> my goodness so what is i assume jerry jones has like categorically denied all of this i would have to imagine that's like uh, number one yes uniform uniform categorical denial uh and, but it's also it's just more weird stuff comes out by the by the day so are they going to do like a paternity test or would he have to agree to that? How does this work? Uh, well, they're going through a lot of legal jargon right now. So Jerry Jones is now alleged. This is one day old news uh, at this point. Jerry Jones has now alleged that the woman has, is extorting him and that any lawsuits that she is bringing should all be dismissed, which is pretty standard in the legal world for them to do. So Nothing's really just like the Deshaun stuff. Nothing's really going to happen for a long time, and I it'll probably get settled out, and we'll never hear for, about it again. But it's uh, just you know, it doesn't happen just to the players. I guess that's what I'm uh, what I'm getting at here. Well, and I think we both basically know the answer as to why we haven't heard about it. Because what do we always talk about? The league protects the owners first and foremost. And Jerry Jones is not only an owner; he might as well be the owner. You know, oh, he's the loudest. He's the squeakiest wheel. And yeah, and he's the most uh, recognizable and damn near marketable. I mean, like they almost 
Jerry Jones almost. Uh, there's parts of him. He's marketable, but he's also he's marketable like a WWE star is marketable. Like well, apparently they're very marketable. No, they are. But it's not. You're not marketing him for his brains. You're marketing him for his, his putting on a show. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Do you think the Cowboys will win a Super Bowl in the next decade? No. No, me. Next either. question. Me either. <laughs> me either. Well, the Lions. Um, man, I mean, I would, I don't fucking know. Probably no. a, next. Uh, will the Texans? Maybe. No, next. Lions, maybe. <laughs> Hard to say. I didn't think the Bengals would play in one, so. I, that's a valid point, but uh, the Bengals didn't win one either. No, they did not. You know who did? Matthew Stafford. Have you seen those AT&T commercials? No, which ones? So he has uh, AT&T has come out with a handful of new commercials with different celebrities joining their stalwart Lily. Uh, Zoe Deschanel is in one. LaMelo of the Ball family is in one. Some people hate that one. I actually kind of think it's pretty funny, the LaMelo commercial. And Stafford's in one. And they're talking about trading in phones. And he talks about how like, Oh, so like I can love this phone and will always love it, but still trade in for a good one and like experience ever ending joy and success, but never forget about my first phone who I love very much. That's literally what he's saying in the commercial. I'm like, this is funny, but it also hits a little too close. It's, it's a, that's a deep cut. That's <laughs> it's a little too close. Because the people, the people in LA or Portland or Texas watching that commercial don't get it. That only that only hits if you're in Michigan. And it's a national commercial and it hurts. It's like, God damn it. But he does love us. He loves us. We love you, Matt. You're a Packer. You're Packers Ian now. No, I never said that. I just enjoy going to Lions games at Lambeau. <laughs> if I can survive without getting in a fight, which in like two out of three, I've almost gotten in fights. Hey, uh, folks, I just want the hundreds of thousands to know if you attend – a sporting event with Ian, you will probably end up in some fisticuffs at some point. Uh, man, woman, indifferent, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he, uh, hide your kids, hide your wife. The man at the Michigan-Ohio game, he took on a whole family. Uh, <laughs> so he, he's not afraid. He, he took on a grandfather early in the game, a Michigan fan grandfather, I'll add. Now, uh, what did that result in? What did that result in? It, it resulted in a great relationship. It started <laughs> It started rocky. <laughs> yeah. What did I say to him? Like, what do you want me to say? <laughs> or no, what no, am you, I allowed to you, say? You might have dropped a uh, vulgar a vulgar word in front of a young fan. A, yes. A budding... So this, this guy, this grandfather was mad at me because I was using the F word in my response to the game. And his probably nine or ten year old grandson was in front of us and yeah the grandfather was not happy that i was using that language around kids basically yeah and he he said yeah pretty much told you to watch your mouth <laughs> and you said your kids had a game what do you want me to do what am i supposed to say and then he ultimately gave us shots of fireball in the well, yeah, <laughs> but why did he give us shots of fireball it wasn't because you were mfing his kid and, and telling him to watch his mouth it was because the kid liked us and thought yeah. we were funny. Oh, yeah, that's right. He said, you know what? 
my grandson said he really enjoys you guys or something. So <laughs> yeah. maybe I overreacted. Yeah. But I do believe that. Like, I shouldn't have, like, been, I was, you know, it had a little bit of alcohol, so I was not giving a fuck. I should not have been that, like, brash. But I do agree with, like, especially if you're at a game, like, don't pull, I'm not, I'm not effing your, I'm not, like, MFing your kid or, like, swearing directly at him, but, like, this is the this is the real world. You don't think he's heard these words before? What are we talking about? Well, so I think there's a fine line there because do you, if you go to a high school game and and like fans are mf and players at a high school game, is that okay? No, I I think that, but like yeah, I think a college or a professional game like there's there's 115,000 people. So there. Is the line is that the line we're drawing it at college, like from high school to college? When you go I to a college so. game, you're you're you can isn't it just college football and basketball? I would say any college game. Listen, yeah, col- yeah. I think any college event. Ah, yeah. And you go to a Michigan hockey game, you're gonna hear some stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 You are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so They're yeah. Okay. Words that you got to look what? up in the dictionary. <laughs> yeah. All right. I hope you sell. If we can publicly vote on that, I'm down. I'll vote yes. I agree. Like, let's send that. Let's all cast a vote. This is another way. This is a way we can all get people to get into the voting system. This is stuff we should be voting for, not people that we have no idea who they are. We should be voting on issues like this. Where can you use the F word as a fan in the sporting venues? I'll also say that if like, that was like a little baby, like an infant child, I would have 100% been more cognizant of my language. This kid has Hold heard on. all of no, these words before. No, 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 no. I completely disagree with that. I feel logic. weird. Like, uh, uh, kids that young like if if they're like if i feel like they're under like six years old i'm like oh shit i shouldn't have said that <laughs> no okay when you well hold on what is an infant you said infant the first time if there's some mom or dad holding this child like in their shoulder like or it's in with a the swing, earmuffs on. yeah with the earmuffs and they're like at a nascar race and like a pacifier you can sling f words left and right i don't because that infant will never remember or know what's going on i think <laughs> Once you hit like five, six up to like 13, I think that's the ages where you got to be like, oh, I got to watch my mouth because they'll hear something and repeat it. Yeah, but they're already hearing it is my thing. You gave them a cell phone. You gave them a computer in their pocket. They've heard it. I didn't give anybody anything. My thing is I just hope that I, if I'm fortunate enough to have a family, have kids, they play sports, so on and so forth, like, Somebody call me out if I'm the dad who tells some person to watch their mouth because they're swearing around my kid. Like, <laughs> I will be so upset with myself if that's on where I become. I okay, deal. I I appreciate that, and and because see, I don't care either. It doesn't bother me. That's what I'm saying. Like, I couldn't believe that that's what we were being told. It's not like we were swearing every word. Oh no, I, it it wasn't that either. It but, was within but, the context of the game, at least. A hundred percent, and it was maybe a one or two type thing here but it was Listen, but i all we gotta go we yeah. gotta go <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well on that shall we uh shall we kind of move us into the, our dedicated segments yeah we can get into some dedicated or, segments uh hold I on want... we would we gotta talk about the, the oscars though don't we yeah we can talk about the oscars because that was also a contentious situation apparently um Okay. You're laughing at my wife. No, keep my wife's name out your mouth. 
Uh, me and Will Smith the same because I got told he's laughing at my wife. <laughs> and Will Smith said, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. So are you Chris Rock? Hey, all right. Let, oh, hold shit. on. Yeah, that makes me Chris Rock. <laughs> but but let me let me call out the number one thing. So I've watched this back. I didn't see it live. I was watching sports. Didn't even know I, the Oscars were happening. Didn't me neither. Even know. Completely missed it. It was like the Winter Olympics. Winter Olympics. You blinked <laughs> and you missed it. Um, oh, but <laughs> but but uh, so I obviously saw the reaction on Twitter. Immediately dove into this because I am a YouTube superstar. So I've caught like 19 live feeds, all of this stuff. The number one thing I saw when I watched it, Chris Rock does not at any point under not once in any shot nowhere does he touch or rub his face after he got hit. He literally took it like a champion. And outside of using the word documentary instead of (laughs) that, he literally – was immaculate in how he just took that robotic twist shot across the face for Will Smith. I think uh, Chris Rock's reaction was what led people to believe it was potentially fake Fake. because Uh it was like almost uncanny because you're right. He didn't fall over and it seemed like he got hit pretty fucking hard. Like, yeah, he literally literally said, he literally, you could, the shock. And also, another thing, I watched it on slow-mo. He gets hit, and then he clinches up like he's about to cock, and, cock back and hit him, you know? And yeah. he, then he lets go, and then he, it like, does it. And it was so just, and he then he opens it with, wow, Will Smith just slapped the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Chris Rock, immaculate um, reaction to that. A lot of people say that it would have been, a melee if somebody did that to them a lot of people say that melees don't happen all that often so i think it's easy to say that you would you would go off on somebody if they did that to you when it never has happened what yeah i'm i don't i haven't really been able to form an opinion on how i actually what i actually think about this whole situation okay i want to just i'm going to just state facts and people are going to say this is controversial uh, but I don't care. I, I'm heel here. I'll play, and I lean into being the heel. Um, Will Smith in the video. Will Smith is seen laughing at the joke that that set off the whole thing. Yep, that's true. The joke is is in poor taste. I agree. The joke is in poor taste. A part of that um, that I picked up was it seemed like Chris Rock even acknowledged that it was in poor taste because. He kind of like react right after he said it, he was like, "Oh come on, that was a good one," you know. Yeah. Like he he felt that that was like, "Oh, it that fell one, flat. That one it might fell. have missed." <laughs> yeah, I bombed that one. Right, that, that he he felt it. Yep. But if you also watch when he delivers it, Will laughs. But I yes, think Will, Will also did laugh. Will gives like the fake like ha ha Oscar. I mean the Oscars, and I know the cameras are on me laugh. Okay. But the person who doesn't laugh is Jada In and. Fact, I roll, I roll, I roll and the lean over to will. And um, so, you know, this is fact. This is fact. I'm just, folks, this is not my opinion on anybody or anything. This is fact. The eye in the sky. Don't lie in this. situation. Eye in the sky. The lean over to will. I don't know what she said. 
She could have told him she loved him. I don't know. But as soon as whatever she leaned over and said, Will Smith is no longer smiling and he is on stage smacking the shit out of Chris Rock. And how crazy was it that their table was right on the runway, basically? Like he was able to just walk directly there and back. Didn't have to serpentine, didn't have to do anything. It was like out of anybody at the show, he had the easiest access to go do that. I think Chris Rock knew who was going to be sitting in the front row, and that's why Jada was even in his joke list. Mm, okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, I. Uh, anytime I see somebody give an opinion on whether it should or shouldn't have happened, uh, they get attacked from everywhere. Like there's oh, no I'm not, consensus opinion no, on what should have happened. Here are my here are my my two takes, and I have two, uh, three if you want to get political, but I have two takes. Uh, First, Chris Rock, amazing. And I think it he gets double points for Gryffindor for not touching his face or rubbing it at all after he got slapped. Point one. Okay. Point two, if anybody ever in their ever believes women don't run the world and run society, <laughs> uh, you are dead wrong. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith literally took a man from laughing at a joke and sent him to ruin probably – the biggest ceremony in American movies. <laughs> yeah, to do something pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, probably and ruin his, like, reputation, hurt himself publicly. I don't think Will Smith grew from this. It definitely didn't help his brand. No, I don't think so. There's been a lot of people who have been anti-Will Smith <laughs> the past couple of days. Uh... So yeah, women, y'all got it. I, this is this is y'all y'all are not being held back anymore. It, it's you. Not that we've ever doubted. <laughs> no, no. This this podcast has been <laughs> we know FWBW. <laughs> Shout out <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> at gmail.com. Oh shit. The internet though, okay. I will also I agree that we should stay out of giving our opinions because, again, I'm not even sure that I have one. But, one, I agree with you that Chris Rock wanted to eat it like he did. And, two, that dude's a comedian and probably instantly had some very pointed jokes that he could have thrown out. I almost, just for the internet's sake, wish that he would have just came back firing. That would have been hilarious, but... Um, probably for the better that he did not. But man, the internet has been ruthless to both sides. I mean, with uh, the amount of stuff you almost see as much about people actually talking about some of Will and Jada's like prior entanglement issues that have been very public as they're talking about this. And I'm like, damn, man, like he can't catch a break. And then obviously people are on both people's sides. Who was wrong? Who was right? Just as many people are saying Chris Rock deserved it as they're saying that if Will Smith had a problem, it should have been handled off stage and handled afterwards. Like it's, I've seen people very strong on all sides of the situation. Some of the jokes are pretty good. The memes are already flying. The memes were flying. Like people, I got a a meme of it in a corporate email today that was sent (laughs) to the entire company. I was like, bro, that's quick. And this, Half the people won't even know what this means. Probably didn't even watch it. No, if I didn't have Twitter, I would not have known that that would have happened. Me neither. No clue. But yeah, still pretty good. Uh, You know, maybe they're bringing the Oscars back. Maybe we'll all tune in next time to see if the rebuttal happens. 
I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> um, okay, our dedicated segments of the week. Uh, I know it looks like we both have money moves of the week. We obviously have to give a little uh, book talk for the people, and then we have to get to our fantasy five. What are you thinking from an order an order standpoint here? So, so we gotta we gotta we're just raining money on the people uh, with our money moves. So I've got two, and you've got one, according to to my notes here. Correct. Uh, so why don't I give a money move? You give some book talk. And then we'll go my money move, your bo- your money move. Okay, let's do it. So uh, first money move, uh, just because we, we were talking how we are a podcast of the people and we support all, all men, women, the like. Yes. Uh, I, we had a world record broken um, over the weekend. Oh, sure. And I, it needs to be called to attention. Um, a women's sport, the highest attended women's sporting event happened over the weekend, uh, El Clasico between Real Madrid and Barcelona in for the women uh, happened over the weekend. Oh, excuse me, not over the weekend, Wednesday. Uh, 91,553 people Whoa. attended. Uh, previously shat- shattering the previously established record uh, for the United States, China, uh, game at the Rose Bowl, you know, where uh, the U.S. won on PKs. Um, the infamous slide from Brandy Chastain. It's a uh, PG way to put it. Well done. Uh, thank you. I know what I'm doing. We're a podcast for the people. Uh, but broke that record. Um, so highest attended event. And uh, the, the thing that I think makes this record look even more impressive is this is obviously a cl- a league or club football game or soccer game against each other. That previous record was 60,000 fans, and this one shattered it. Yeah, wow, like a 50% increase. M- massive. So uh, shout them out, shout them out. Uh, ladies, you're doing it. And I think it's what I actually am shouting out is that this was an international event because normally women in, on the international scale, is particularly in soccer, because I feel like that's the sport that the Americans dominate uh yeah for the oddly, women. yeah right so i think it's um amazing that we're seeing kind of that the women's game celebrated internationally it, 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 in that way and i love personally that um yeah it seems to be all across europe where on the soccer side of things like we mentioned who was it real madrid and who uh barcelona barcelona like the men's and women's teams have the same name they're under the same kind of organization it has that college feel to it right like it's kind of cool yeah no it, it was it's cool i uh you know wouldn't be i'd be lying if i said i watched it but uh and that's on me I, i'll admit it it's on me i need to get back get better but i just think i saw it saw it again on twitter so uh for all the bad stuff that happens on twitter twitter does break news um and i think it's cool should be celebrated should wanted the people to hear it out 90,000. That's a lot. I mean, that'd be a top, a top attended event in the U S across all sports. Yep. Which is pretty cool. I like that. I had not heard that or seen that. So I'm glad you brought it to the people's attention. So thank you. Uh, okay. Next on the list was a little book talk interjection. Yeah. So that's what the people are here for these days. It seems like we're, we're here for book talk. We start reading and the people start digging it. You know, I guess that's just, well, 
I have not kept continued reading, so it, I have di- stopped the, the, my book talk contrib- contrib- contributions to the show. Okay, well, we'll need you to drop in at least once a quarter with something, okay? For the what, what are, you are so corporate with these. Once uh, a quarter. These, once a, quarter. <laughs> a quarter? Who measures in quarters? Well, corporate America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I finished my fifth book, which I can't remember. We may have uh, introduced on the last episode or, or two episodes ago. It was called People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. I say the author's name one because I realized that maybe we should say the author's names. Um, Shout but out. two, she went to school at Hope College. Oh, which Shout is in Hope West College. Michigan. And I was like, oh damn, <laughs> that's kind of cool. There we go. Um, do you so think? This, do you think she's listening to the show? No. Is no, she? Want, is she not a member of the hundreds of thousands? Not yet, but what, you know, when we get the Instagram post up there with with her uh, book cover. Maybe we tag her. Maybe we do we tag her? Do we (laughs) tag? We should put that. We both have spent time in the state of Michigan in the bio. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Kids. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, but so this book was also definitely in the like romance subgenre of fiction, but was much less hallmark romance and was much more the entire story while ultimately about the romance wasn't overtly about the romance. And there was a lot of character development, a lot of great storytelling and um, a narration style that took us from present day to uh, uh, what's it called? Flashbacks that then kind of provided context for the story as you were going along. I fucking loved it. It was great. Like, again, I don't know that I could read or would want to read like romance novels back to back to back unless I'm in like sad boy hours. But this was just like a great like this was a great book. Like, I really enjoyed it. She has a couple other books that I've put on my list to kind of like read at some point, you know, not just run them run them back to back. But I just enjoyed the storytelling and the character development. And I was very um, engaged in the book and thought like really enjoyed reading it and i think i'm i'm starting to realize that i like authors who also kind of bring in like viewpoints on society a little bit and like through their storytelling kind of provide their opinion or a perspective on something that you can easily relate to I think that's kind of cool, you know, and, and and not every book is going to be like that or be in a super current context. Like I want to go back and read like the great American classics. Right. And it's like there will still be like good lessons in there, good perspectives on things. But it's also a little bit of a different context. So all of this to say on the five point scale, uh, I think I have to land at about a four point six. Wow. For people we met on vacation. It hasn't passed anxious people. But it has entered into the tier of if people ask me for book recommendations, it will be a book that I recommend. I think I think the four point fives and above are I think we called that that elevated tier. That's the recommended tier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh two couple things here, a couple takeaways uh from from this book report. Um one, I I think it's so uh you're very in tune 
with the romance side of things, which I need to probably work on. It's very impressive. Uh, but, but two, um, it's funny to me that you like find these lessons and stuff in it because I think that's so interesting because I always in English class when they would force us to read these American classics or whatever, <laughs> yeah. I always felt that the lesson in English class in the book from reading it, I always felt it was forced upon me. And I'm like, no, that that, that lesson isn't in here. That's not what's being said in here. And you just made that up. Like what it, symbolism is fake. Like you made that up and did you interview Ernest Hemingway? I don't think so. Like how do you, and so I think it's funny, like, because I think what's so cool is like, you're drawing all this meaning and it's really impactful and it's awesome. Like it's cool. And it's and, also but, subjective, you know, right. Like, I exactly. Think that's a big difference. Like I'm able to pull my own lessons and sure are some of the lessons probably what a lot of people are pulling. Sure. But, th- but there's probably differences as well versus like you said, in a like guided reading assignment, they're kind of giving you a pre notion of what you're supposed to take from it. And then it does feel forced. Even if it, you can kind of see it, it's still like, eh, it's not as impactful. Right. And, 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 and so to, to put a big bow on this, I think this delivery that you're giving is how you, we should like encourage people to read, like find your own meaning in it, as opposed to this garbage for, because like it was so much more like interesting to hear your description of that book that, as opposed to them telling me, hey, this is the symbolism of you're supposed to find in Fences or the Great Gatsby or whatever. <laughs> the Great Gatsby. Like, yeah, um, the last thing I'll say, and this is very, uh, I guess, um, personal in the sense of like it's it's what I've noticed. I used to think that anything I read, I needed to learn something. Uh, I don't can tangible is not the right word but like something objective so something that was rooted in like fact and history i guess so i was i had amassed a, a large collection of like nonfiction books or you felt like oh should i be reading some sort of like fucking business idea kind of like focused book that can like better my career or something like that yeah, at some point, sure, I'm sure you can like take a lot of good things from those, but I've now ran off five books in three months after reading approximately approximately like one and a half or two books in the last seven years. And it's because I've been reading books that are primarily for entertainment and I can determine the value I get out of them versus feeling like I have to get a value out of them. Right. And I think if that's what gets you into the habit and then allows you to read some of those other types of books while primarily just reading stuff from the enjoyment of it. Um, yeah, I think that has what has turned the corner for me to like want to do this for a while. The man sees around Kiwanis. Kiwanis, see, wicked he, spot. <laughs> he sees around Kiwanis, folks. Second Mark Rosentraub uh, mention of the show. Did you have that on your bingo card? Probably not. You should. You should. We do mention Mark Rosentraub a lot. <laughs> I wonder if he's whatever if he's a member of the hundreds of thousands. I think we could get him on the show. <laughs> we should try. We I could probably get Kelly Donahue. Oh, that would be fun. I'd have to get like real people lights though. Real people lights? What does that mean? I can't have Kelly Donahue on, on the video call it with me with my LED Christmas lights in the background. <laughs> Why not? I would imagine we could continue our same shenanigans that we always have. We're we're That's a professional true. entity. Out of all of them, Kelly was always she was a, a professor of the people, I should say. 
Yeah, I was her TA. I think. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Which class? 217 or 111? Yeah, 217. What is this, amateur hour? I still use the cover letter template in terms of kind of how to structure your paragraphs from that class and have given it as free game to more people than I would expect needed like cover help. letter help that at the time seemed like very like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Kelly Donahue, genius, apparently. Savant. Dude, there, I, I still think there's so much. That was one of my favorite classes, one. So much so that I went back and TA'd it my junior year. Uh, like I, I think it was one of the most valuable classes I had ever in my educational history, period. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It, between, excuse me, uh, 101 was public speaking. Yep. And then 217 was business, business communication. communications. Yeah. But those two classes are probably, I mean, at the minimum, especially in terms of tangible skills, top five, any class I've taken in terms of what I use in my career every day. Oh, for sure. Not even close. Not it's still, I use skills from that class. Anyway, we are diving into a class. Shout out Kelly Donahue. Let's Donahue. We might, we might've just teased a couple guests. We're going to try, we're going to try and, and, you know, extend the long arm of the cutback podcast brand. See, uh, see how good our Rolodex is. <laughs> yeah, let's see what we can do. Cause I, we, we know how you much you love guests folks. We do. We do. We do listen and to the feedback you give us. That's very true. Um, I think you're up with a money move, sir. I am up with a money move. Um, and, and I might uh, pull the rug out from under you here. I don't know if this, if this is your money move, but uh, I don't know if you heard. Uh, the, the documentary series that's done every year by HBO uh, called Hard Knocks is coming to the Motor City, folks. Uh, it, the Detroit Lions are going to be on Hard Knocks. Uh, and I just think my real money move here is the city of Detroit. It's on the upswing at large. All, NFL and I, draft 2024. 2024 NFL draft, Detroit Lions on hard knocks, which means the Lions are coming out of this thing. They're going to be exciting. Uh, the Red Wings are going to be the first team out. They got a <laughs> bunch of young talent, but they're they're on the upswing. The city itself. Cade Cunningham. Uh, Pistons are Pistons might have a ways, but they've got Cade Cunningham. Yeah, but Cade Cunningham is a dude. He's a dude, and you're going to have somebody else from this year too. Uh, it was Paolo. <laughs> Pistons propaganda aside, the city of Detroit uh, is also on the upswing. Uh, so, money move, number two of the week, city of Detroit. I'm pumped for hard knocks. I'm a little nervous as well, but in an excited way because one of the things that I love about hard knocks, first of all, the first time I watched hard knocks, I was like, this is the greatest thing of all time. Like, we get to see inside the build. Like, that was when I fell in love with the idea of working for a team on the side of the team didn't even know that that was a thing right like i didn't even know that was a thing until i saw hard knocks and i was like well that's the dopest shit of all time but i think you also get to learn a lot about the teams and you get to learn about the guys that you have on the roster the head coach the gm assistant coaches you get to see the personality of these guys how they interact and we're fortunate in the sense that we've been in buildings for a long time and we kind of know what to look for and we can pick up on things even on television copies of edited shows of like, oh, that's good. Or like, yeah, that might not be good. You can read a room. 
you can read the room and you can you can kind of understand things. So I think, especially over the past couple years, especially with the in season with the Colts that debuted um, last season, I think Hard Knocks is really doing a good job of like you can get a pretty good idea of like what you think about this organization, this team, the trajectory that they're on. How many pieces do they have? How many do they need? So I'm I'm excited to see that, but I'm nervous to see if it goes bad. Like, fuck, <laughs> we're not even close. But everything leads me to believe that it'll be good. We'll look, we'll look, make me feel like we're on the right trajectory because that's all I've heard from people, really. Like people are even making a big deal about how many guys the Lions re-signed and like bringing in some free agents, and they're like, everybody's just raving about the culture and the coach and all that stuff. We've never necessarily had that before. So I'm hopeful, but knock on wood if you're with me. Yeah. Uh, well, so, but all right. What I want to say about hard knocks, what I think is so cool about it is that it does get, just like you said, it gives you that behind the scenes look at like what it's actually like. And if you're a casual sports fan, you just watch guys, particularly football on Sunday, you just watch the game and you're like, oh, they make millions of dollars, yada, 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 that whole argument, which is another argument for another time. But if you actually like watching Hard Knocks and you're only seeing preseason, so you're not even seeing, this is just like them going 60% really. Like, but you get a whole new light. It like actually paints you of like what actually goes on and what, how time intensive it is and how, like goofy at times, but it's also like serious. It's isolating. Yeah, exactly. Isolating is a great word. Um, and, and so I think it's a great exposure. I always use my my mom as like my barometer of people who don't care about sports. Like, <laughs> yeah. because, because like, honestly, like my friends in my life who are women, like they, they do like, they at least pretend to like sports or have some connection to sports and like attend it and know like the value of sports. And right. I, it, those who don't probably aren't my friends. So like, I would tell you the number one woman in my life that doesn't understand sports is my mother. And I think like, she's the goalpost for, for like, who's going to hold it down, you know, per usual go mom. Um, but she watches hard knocks religiously every year, week in, week out. And she, not because she cares about football or any of that. My mom watches it cause she likes the drama and like the stuff that goes on. See, that's the thing. They're smart, though. They make it into a drama. And, yeah. And even the music, you know, it's like, it's awesome. Hard Knock, I will not miss a, a, an episode of Hard Knocks for anything. But let's call Space Spade. Dude, you and I have worked for some horrible teams. Horrible, <laughs> horrible teams. Damn it. And tell me what part of those seasons didn't feel like a drama. Uh, I mean, that's very true. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that you can actually adequately explain what being in a building is like on a day-to-day basis i don't think you can adequately explain it to somebody who hasn't done it no but you can't i don't even think you can adequately explain the swing of what it's like from when (sighs) shit's going really good and you're one of the best which i mean i've done in my at the minor league level but that's a whole different can of worms but you're one of the best, but, but, and then to the other end of the spectrum where you're just, you're underperforming to a huge degree, like the moods are, it's the same building and the same people, but just completely different environments. 
yeah, I mean, you and I were both in a building where mm, probably what within the first to be generous, maybe like six or seven weeks. Uh, yeah, I was going to say six. The staff knew that there was a good chance they were all going to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. There was, that a, was a dis- wild time. <laughs> there was a distinct let go of the reins moment. Yes. 100%. Um, yeah. The, uh, you put it beautifully, the week-to-week, day-to-day swing based on wins and losses is real. I think you and I would both say addicting and intoxicating. Others would say psychotic. Yeah, and I think that's what <laughs> makes us who we are. Yep. Here we are on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, my last, oh, I guess my money move of the week to wrap up our kind of dedicated segments, uh, I literally just saw as we were in the uh, the warm-up, section of the cutback podcast uh michigan football has named colin kaepernick as honorary captain for the upcoming spring game and had him talk to the team gave him a jersey had him on campus in the building whole nine yards obviously that's literally all the details i know but on the surface pretty cool and i'm down with it no i'm down with it too i'm sure colin kaepernick's been through some shit i'm sure he's got a lot to talk about Lot lot to talk about. He obviously was Harbaugh's quarterback at the Niners when they did well. So it's not surprising that they have a mutual respect there. And I think anytime that you can get a player in a building of any sport who especially has experience with your coach and has experience at the highest level of the game, I think that's invaluable. And I think when you even see like now the entire fucking Fab Five is in Michigan locker rooms after game and in the front row acting crazy for games. Like you can't that tell was, me that that's not a good thing, dude. Like that, that is so cool. That was, was so the cool. Coolest. They that were, was so cool. They feel like they're coaching those games or playing in them because one of their like best friends is landed on the line. You know, landed no, on I, the I line mean, every game. I don't, I'm not ready to say they feel like they're coaching or playing, but they're so involved. They're involved. More so, they're more invested. involved, more invest. Yeah, invested is a better word. They're invested to a level that they've never been before since they were donning the uniform. Correct. And I hope the university takes advantage of that because, one, <laughs> that makes recruiting shooting fish in a barrel damn near. No, I hope the Jalen still has a show on ESPN. Should it should not stop until the day they die? That's the job of the University of Michigan. Like you should not; those guys should never leave. It should be like that literally all the time. Every tournament that Michigan goes to, the Fab Five should be there. And what's sad is that um, for a while, really until the past couple years, the rest of the country, world, whatever macro term you want to use celebrated the fab five more than the institution of the university of michigan yeah but they they took yes but, down. <laughs> no no doubt but i would tell you the fab five was celebrated and michigan accepted it michigan didn't they tried to shut it down at the at the start yeah of it i'm not ignorant to that like they tried to stop a lot of it but i think michigan is an, a university at large does kind of I'll call it what it is. It's more progressive than most. Yeah, for sure. And so I think the, it, I don't think the Fab Five would have happened at a school like Kentucky. No, no. But uh, even during those time periods, like you said, they weren't 
advancing the celebration, but they weren't halting the celebration. Now it feels right. like they're buying into the celebration being like, Hey, we can, we can use this. <laughs> we can yeah. definitely use this. Yeah. I would, I would, I would sign off on that. But yeah. it's dope because you know what it is though. It's genuine. Like those, I those dudes it. are genuinely there. They're genuinely invested. When you hear them talk to the players, it's like all these players, everybody knows who these guys are. Like, the Fab Five 30 for 30 is widely regarded as like a top two, maybe three 30 for 30 with the U. The U. <laughs> with yep. the U. And people know who those guys are. Chris Weber's obviously on TV calling games. Jalen Rose is on ESPN. Ray Jackson, Jimmy King, like nobody probably like really cares, but they're still members of the Fab Five at the end of the day. So it's cool. I thought that was awesome. The black as hail shirt was just oh, great. Like, dude, <laughs> Jalen so, is just a dude, man. I love Jalen. Jalen's a personality, and I love it. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, we've come full circle now on the pod because that's what we do. We uh, always find a way. We do. We and we we always put our foot in the ground, come full circle. Uh, <laughs> so you you made a point like that that it's the University of Michigan kind of taking advantage of using like the Fab Five. I'm back to this like mutual relationship of it's, it's like building. Like, I think that the fab five is like bought now of like invested in the brand of Michigan more than they have been since they wore the uniform. And I think Michigan is also invested in the fab five more than they have since they've wore the uniform. Like, I think they both, it's like a partnership has been formed to like elevate them both. I think it's a symbiotic relationship to elevate everybody. No, I agree. And I hope it doesn't stop. And I hope they lean in. Give me all the Fab Five Michigan basketball content and uh, interaction integration that you can. I do. I'm I'm here for it. I love it. I love when the past like and and especially since like the Fab the like I know the Fab Five is like are right at the fringe of us being like youth sports watchers. I mean, but- dude, we were like three years old when they were doing that right but it's just i would born actually but i would tell you they're like the start of uh the 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 alums if you will that we want to remember and we as like us our generation leech on to yeah actually i think that's fair i think it's like them charles woodson maybe a handful of those dudes and then it's like chad henny mike hart braylon edwards and on forward yes denard Denard, Trey Burke. You can't oh not God. if you don't mention Denard, you're an, an anti sacrilege. I, I was talking to Tommy a couple days ago, actually yesterday, about another Trey. guy we need to get back on the show. Actually, talk to him about that. Uh, I think he would be perfect to have on. Uh, we'll have to look at the calendar, but like if we can time it for like in between regular season and playoffs of the NBA. Oh, that would be good. That's what we need. Because uh, I obviously shared with Tommy my big gambling win last night. Oh, there you go. Well, I'll I'll just tell you, and Tom, if you're listening, here you go. Multiple people from the hundreds of thousands have reached out and requested Tom to come back on the show. That's very true. I saw it live and in person via text messages. Um, what was I even telling him? I'll wrap it up. I was just telling him, like, dude, watching Trey Burke play in college, like – Obviously, he didn't turn into this type of player in the NBA. He's carved out a way to have a career. I don't care. I'm happy for him either way. But watching him in college was like, this dude is a killer. Like, this dude is an absolute killer. And we got to watch it. We got to watch it up close and personal for two years. But, like, 
day in, day out in two years. And I'll never forget, I've said this multiple times, but like uh we went to basically like every Oregon women's game in the two years that we were there. And watching Sabrina in person was like, I was like, oh, that's Trey Burke. Like that's college Trey Burke right there. And she's a fucking killer. <laughs> she is an absolute killer. There, there's just people you can tell they have that testicular fortitude. That's just, it's mental that, that you, you can't, it's not, there's nothing physical about it. It's just, they can elevate themselves mentally above everybody and just they're cold. It's just so cold and just can isolate themselves from all the surrounding externalities. It's incredible. What's better than being cool? Ice cold. Ice cold. <laughs> well, I mean, those people, when you know, like, like, I mean, it happened with Trey a bunch of times. There's a game that sticks in my head uh, about Sabrina. It was our second year. So it would have been her sophomore year, I guess, or junior year. Uh, yeah, her junior year where we, Oregon ultimately made it to the Elite Eight or the Final Four, I think. Regardless, uh, we were playing Syracuse at home at Matt Knight. Syracuse was a ranked team. I think this was like a top 15 matchup. Shea Serrano was in the Ooh, building on fan. the bench as an honorary coach for the day because he had been on Twitter hyping up Sabrina. So the University of Oregon as a incredible marketing operation said we're bringing his ass to the game and putting him on the sideline so shea was in attendance for this game oregon was down six with like what we'll call like two minutes left and two possessions in a row sabrina would get the ball at the top of the key and you knew it was going in as soon as she touched the ball you knew that a three was going up and it was going in and sure enough two possessions in a row splash splash tie game and i was like Bro, this is like the craziest shit I've ever seen because as soon as we were down six, you're like, Sabrina's just going to knock two threes. Like, we're three stop, three. No, no big problem. deal. We're back in it. And I mean, they hardly touched net. It was like, it was just, I was like, that's, that's like one of the coldest things I've ever seen. Like, that was so dope. And that's what yeah. she was. I mean, she's a killer. And Trey Burke was a killer. A killer. Yeah. Him and Timmy yeah. Hardaway. Oh, man. There's, we could really uh, yeah. get into it, but Michigan basketball got turned around by some dudes who don't always get a lot of credit for turning it around. And it's been an awesome decade. No, I don't think, it, I don't think those guys that you listed off and, and even Sabrina, I'm going to say it. I think Sabrina of the three people you listed off, I think Sabrina was the most physically gifted. And I don't even think she was that incredibly physically gifted compared she to was others. A five star, I think Trey Burke was a three star. Timmy Hardaway right. is on that list. He's a three-star. Jordan right, Morgan is on that list. It's all the 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 in-between-the-ears stuff that elevated all three of those people you talked about, I think, to greatness Yeah, at, at the college level and Sabrina even beyond. Uh, the only other person I have to mention, Michigan basketball, there's uh, who's a little bit of an outlier because he was like a decent recruit. And I think at the time, especially out of state, was like one of the first like better recruits out of state to come to Michigan was Darius Morris. Oh, uh, yes. Great call out. Great call out. Love Demo, dude. Love Demo. Yeah, no, that's a great call out. And he did too, but I think he just didn't have the other pieces with him to, to bring him, bring him to the next level. Uh, man, he was even like a pretty good college player. Like, no, no. Darius Morris is a great call out. Uh, I thought he was awesome until I saw Trey Burke. Basically <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> 
Man, I, I just I they're so look at the now you got me all nostalgic. But Debo played with Kobe. I mean, Debo. How many played years was? How many years did Darius Morris play for Michigan? They both only played two years. Trey Burke and Darius Morris. Yep. Right, which is more than it's double what most guys are playing now that are relevant that play in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think it's just so much harder to build that connection too. Because if Trey Burke had left after one year, we would have never known Trey Burke. Correct. And he almost did after we lost a fucking 14 seed Ohio. No, and that's that's what I'm saying. It's Which, just, it, now that we're here, we're here. If this ever comes up, I have to tell people this story because it's wild. And Smotrich? Not Smotrich. Not Smotrich. <laughs> that loss. Okay, Michigan was a three seed, which uh the year prior uh i don't even know if we made the tournament or not the year prior two years prior we had been didn't we beat san diego state one year and then lose or was that the ohio year (sighs) that could be i i honestly can't remember but regardless we're a three seed i think potentially the highest seed since the fab five and we play 14 seed university of ohio or Ohio University, the Bobcats of Athens, Ohio, of, Metro, the biggest and best city in the state of Ohio of Maction <laughs> and Tuesday nights get beat like rather handedly. Like I think <laughs> they were up the whole game, like beat us by double digits. This was Trey Burke's freshman year. One Trey Burke comes back. Okay. The next year we go to a national championship game and we'll leave that for another day. Trey Burke comes back. Also, that loss set into motion a series of events which landed Karis LeVert at the University of Michigan. So for the people who don't know, Cullen's nodding his head, so I believe he's heard this. I've, he, he is a smart man. Uh, Ohio beats Michigan. I don't know. I don't think they won another tournament game, but that win alone got their coach hired by the University of Illinois. Karis LeVert, at the time, a three-star, you know, not much heard of recruit, at the time was signed to Ohio University. Even at that point in the NCAA, before the transfer portal, if your coach that you signed to left, you basically got, like, out of your scholarship and could reopen up your recruitment. Ohio beats Michigan. Coach leaves. Karis is committed to Ohio opens up his recruitment, slides into Michigan, the rest is history. Yeah, and the Michigan's where they are now. That, honestly, you're probably right. Trey Burke staying is what ultimately I think was the launching pad for, for Michigan basketball to where it is today. Yep, and to get Karis LeVert out of that deal as well. A great trade. Wow. It, but, but, but my point is now nobody stays more than a year. So yeah. there isn't, there's none of that launching pad like you had with Trey Burke. There's no, there isn't that runway anymore. And listen, sometimes it only takes two years, but that second I, year can make a huge two. difference. Huge. I would be fine with two. Like I think two, you need two. Nothing is good. Nothing is built in such a short term anymore. Like you can't do it. It feels like an AAU team now. Um, do you think Hunter stays? No. I just don't see where he's going to get drafted. <laughs> I th- the sad part is I think Hunter hurt his stock ultimately this year, this entire season. Um, so I, 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 and I was the guy who said that there's no way he would hurt his stock at all, but he came out and I think did. 
But anyway, uh, so I guess if I'm Hunter, I'm looking at it. Do I stay and continue to hurt my draft stock or do I leave and just go figure it out from where I'm at now? Yeah, I mean, selfishly, I hope he stays. I'm prepared for him to leave. I've, in my brain, flipped a way in which I think he can help his draft stock by staying. Uh, but, of course, that's because I want him to stay because I think if he does, we could be, again, very dangerous. I, I mean, I think if he stays, they'll be they'll be very dangerous, no doubt. I mean, I think that winning the Big Ten would be a easy goal immediately off that announcement. Yeah. But I, an, I just don't. Yeah, an objective goal. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Like easy to be like on the list. Yeah. Like not, not like easily achievable, I should say. Um, but I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't know. I hate the, I hate this whole, yeah. I hate, I hate the, I hate the making yourself, uh, held hostage to high school recruits (laughs) and where they're going to go. And I hate the make yourself hold hostage, hold yourself hostage to, uh, 20 year old kid <laughs> 20 year old kid deciding whether he's going to go pro or whether he's going to yeah. get a degree like I, I don't like it i'll put this on the airwaves uh i honestly i think musa and caleb houston stay i'm and then like i said i'm prepared for hunter to leave all right we'll check back in next week folks to see how prepared ian was for hunter dickinson's decision yeah when actually when when do they have to make some sort of decision uh, maybe it won't be next week. It may be the week after, isn't it? I, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, I, but I, I thought it was mid-April. So I could see them all doing the whole like declare but not sign an agent thing to basically get graded by the NBA. I could see all three. of I, I would think all she, all three should do that. Uh, um, I, I don't hate them for doing it. I think Caleb Houston and Musa, it's a fucking moot point, but. I wouldn't be surprised if they do that just because that's probably the right thing to do, whatever. But when do they actually have to say like, we're going to the draft or we're coming back? I don't know. Is it, it's probably realistically within the next like month or so. No, that's what I was saying. I think it's mid April that they have to like in the next two weeks. Cause I think they, I I thought it was, I, yeah, I think it's 30. I thought 30 days before the draft was like the thing that kept popping in my head, but again, not in front of me. Somebody needs to fact check that. We'll we'll come back to you on that one. Uh, should we get into this week's uh, special edition of the Fantasy Five? Speaking of moot points, uh, yes, <laughs> let's do that, um, folks. We have a special edition of the Fantasy Five. You probably know what this uh, special edition is if you're a member of the hundreds of thousands. Um, so we're not going to do the whole spiel of what the Fantasy Five is. We're just going to tell you we use a snake system uh, because we live in a society that separates us from the animals. But this week, the teams we're picking in the Fantasy Five, we're picking the playoffs for Major League Baseball. Since opening day is one week away, uh, we're going to give you our way-too-early playoff predictions. And quick call-out, folks. This is the first edition. Well, we've got three wild cards. Because three. The, new, the new CBA that put every made everybody stress, particularly me, for their particular livelihoods. Uh, we, are now, we now have wild cards out of it, three of them, each league. So we're going to pick. Ian and I, the three division winners, American League, National League, the three wild card winners, American League, National League, and then we're going to tell you of those six playoff teams, which ones are going to the World Series and who wins it. 
Yes. And if you recall, Colin, my wildcard teams are them, them, the, and them. <laughs> yes, uh, folks, another peel the curtain back moment from the cutback pod. Uh, in the warm-up, Ian did not prepare for the show today. Uh, <laughs> and so Ian decided to pick his playoff teams five minutes before we started recording. Just my wildcard teams. Mm-hmm. Just my wildcard. <laughs> so, so please know that if I lose this prediction – uh, I'm not only going to be mortified in the amount of work and effort I put into it and thought I put into it compared to what he did, but I also work in the industry, so I should wax his ass in this, in this competition. You know, we'll find out in 162 games, bud, plus some for the playoffs and, and for part of our, um, our matchup. So should we start in the AL East? Uh, yeah. So I guess that's my question. How do you want to do this? Do you want to do, uh, like division winners for the American League, division winners for the National League, wild card, wild card. Or do you want to go American League entirely, National League entirely? The latter. Okay. So we starting in the senior circuit or the junior circuit? Uh, whatever the AL is. <laughs> that would be that would be where the winners play. <laughs> so that's the seniors. Yes. Okay. Uh, who you got in the East? Uh, my AL East. Um, I'm actually, I think I'm going to shock the people a little bit here. Give me the Yankees. Yeah, I would say that is a shock. Um, I've got the Blue Jays. I think that's a great pick, and uh, that's foreshadowing for what's coming in one of my picks later. Okay, into the Central. This one was tough. Uh, this one was not tough for me. Uh, I think another foreshadowing pick here, uh, but I do have the hated loathsome Chicago White Sox. Yeah, I've got the White Sox as well. You can find me, you can probably catch me at a couple games at Guaranteed Rate Stadium this year. Hopefully when they're, when they're playing the old English D. Yeah, I Madden and I went to uh, one last year, DJ that is, shout out. Shout him out, for women by women president of the Chicago chapter. You can catch him on Gmail at fwdw <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> Uh, all right, so the West. This is this is my might shock you here. I got the Astros. I took Houston as well. Uh, but I will say this, folks. Uh, this is, I think, the first year where I actually think the AL West could be competitive. Okay, interesting. Uh, and and I th- and I say that um, to mean that I think the Astros have kind of regressed the mean a little bit, and I think another team has elevated themselves this offseason drastically. Do you have them in your wild card? Uh, you'll that's uh, it's called a tease, Jan. It's called a tease. Okay, okay. Let's uh let's give it to the people here. What do you got in the wild card? Uh, well, first I'm going to give you the wild the giveaway I already did. Uh, I'm taking the Jays as the wild card because I think that's a great pick. Uh, and I actually think the Jays are a great young team. I was high on them last year. Vladdy Jr. Dude, they've got what three MLB sons on the starting roster? Biggio. Machete and Vladdy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm high on the Jays. I was high on them last year. I think the the run, they're here. But I, I never – I have a hard time find taking a first-year playoff team to win the division. So yeah. that's why I've got the Yankees. And I got the Jays sneaking in as a wild card. Okay. Your first wild card. I got the old English D, baby. Uh, oh, first – Oh, well, I guess in. I didn't think about order in terms of like record, but the Tigers are the first one I listed. Okay. All right. Is our, so these are the one of the thems. Yes. 
I, I uh, like no, it. they weren't necessarily a them. They were always. I knew I was putting them in the wild card. I almost thought about putting them to win the division. Ooh. Well, I'll I'll follow that up. Um, I I'm gonna hold my my, I guess, crazy pick that I think I'm gonna hold that for last. Uh, I'm gonna piggyback your Tigers pick. I'm putting America's team. Uh, I think they're coming in. I think they got uh the pitching staff is so young has potential to be so dangerous. I think the additions of Javi is interesting. I think the bat there's actually some offense here in Detroit. I got to see Spencer Torkelson play live for the West Michigan Whitecaps. That dude's a player. Riley Green seems to be a player. Uh, Riley Green can slap, my friend. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm excited for what's happening here in Detroit. I might be a little early on this pick. Uh, they this team, the Tigers are definitely somebody I was, I would say, fringe arguing in out amongst some uh, another American League teams. But I'm putting them in because it's my show. I like it. Uh, my next team is the Yankees. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, we we flip flop the Jays and Yankees. I think that's expected. Uh, I think those are the two. Uh, I'm leaving the Red Sox out with my next pick. I don't, and I guess those are the two teams I want to talk. We'll talk about in a minute. Um, but but the team I'm putting in is my shocker. Uh, give me the Seattle Mariners. Okay. Uh, I think the Mariners are sneaking in. Uh, and I, when I say sneaking, I mean, they'll probably, I don't think they'll be the last team in. I think it would be the Tigers if, of my list, but, uh, the Mariners made a lot of additions. Also another young team, really young. Um, I think the AL West is going to be very competitive this year. Okay. Uh, my pick is probably less surprising. I'd have to guess. I put the, uh, the team everybody forgets about that always ends up in the playoffs, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I think I, it's tough to argue. I think the Rays, the Rays are a great pick. Uh, I had the Rays, Red Sox, and Angels. Yeah, my, I thought about are, the Angels as well. Are my three first three out? Uh, another team to talk about now. Uh, I don't know if you heard. We talked about them last week. Uh, Carlos Correa, Minnesota. Minnesota was underperformed last year. Could have a bounce back. Could be a problem. But so awesome. they, yeah, Amen. <laughs> Uh, honestly, I think the AL, this is going to be the most parody we've seen in the AL in a long time. Okay. I like it. It feels like that's not what people think about the NL. Uh, no, I think the NL is a lot more chalk. Okay. So who you got in the NL East? Uh, I got, well, okay. This is you, we start with the one division that I don't think is chalk. Um, but I'm going to take the, I think it takes a lot to beat the, beat the incumbent. So give me the Braves. I took the Mets. Scherzer, give me Scherzer. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, I mean, that's the that's the we started the division. That's tough, and again, I'm going to go back to what I my same argument that I did in the American League. I'm going to use it here in the National League. Uh, so foreshadowing again. Yep, I would agree on that one. Uh, I got the Brew Crew in the Central. Milwaukee. Yeah, that's the that's the the chalk. I mean, the pitching staff in Milwaukee is stupid. So I also have the Brewers in the Central. Yeah, and like even people in Chicago, I mean, I guess the Cardinals are probably more of a threat than the Cubs, but like I don't think people here think the Cubs are going to do anything really. Like nobody's super excited about the Cubs. The NL Central is the worst division in baseball. Uh, the NL the NL Central is the if you are trying to get into baseball or you're like I need to find a team to watch this year, don't pick the NL Central. Is that where the Pirates are? Yeah, Pirates, <laughs> Cubs, Brewers, Cardinals, and Reds. Reds? Yeah. 
Uh, you got the Dodgers in the West. Uh, yes, I do have the Dodgers in the West. Are that one was some... hard. Like you couldn't even really find a good reason not to pick them. <laughs> uh, no, the those. So we did have some disagreement at the top uh, of the NL East, but I imagine your what first wild card team would be the Braves. The Braves, and mine would be the Mets. So <laughs> uh, there we are, kind of leveling this plane back out. And I got uh, the Padres. There, yep, there we go. I'll match that Padres. And then I go with the uh, the Phillies of Philadelphia. Wow, okay, so we have some differentiation here. Um, maybe now you got me. Now you got me second guessing. Yeah, in both. Oh well, in the AL we have one different team out of the six teams, and so far in the NL we have zero different teams. Zero, and I'm gonna. I'll make it different just because. I, Philly's in my list, but I, I'm not taking them. Um, I'm going to stick with my guns. Give me the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah, I could see the Cardinals just as well. And and uh, two big call-outs here. One, the Giants, we both booted after they made it to the NLCS and were a very odd strike call away from going to the World Series. Um so I think that's pretty crazy. We both knock them out, but I think the Giants were a fluke. So well, that's you... the thing. Everybody was surprised at what they did last year. Yeah, but I mean, it, okay, well, it's easy I... at this time of the year to be like, yeah, they're not going to do that again. Prove it, yeah, probably. Prove it. Yeah, we're all saying prove it, which you is know, pretty like, wild. I can name a bunch of players on the Padres, basically. <laughs> well, the Padres also Tatis out for whatever eight weeks to start the mm. year. Yeah, not ideal. Not ideal. Uh, okay, who you got in your World Series matchup? All right, this is where I'm going to shock some people. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen in the American League. That's what's crazy. I really, this is me literally, throw, you could throw a dart at the board, and I think a lot of it's going to be injury-based. So this pick doesn't hold a lot of water. Um, but just to piss everybody off, give me the Astros in the American League out of representing the AL. Playing the Dodgers? <laughs> Uh, no, actually, no. Uh, I'm going to take your uh, your brew crew. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because I think that pitching staff is just so filthy. Um, if the Brewers hitters stay healthy, I think they do it. Okay. I've got the Dodgers versus the Toronto Blue Jays. That's a good pick. I, the Blue Jays are the, my, the other team that's exciting there. Uh, White Sox and Yankees don't have the pitching. Mariners are too young. Tigers are too young. I think Astros and Jays are probably the two with the best path. Yeah, and I I didn't want it to be the Dodgers, but I would I would be surprised if it's not them. So that's who I had to pick. Uh, who do you got as your World Series champion? <sighs> you know I'm gonna troll. You know I'm gonna do it. Give them to me. America's okay. team. America's second favorite team uh, behind the Detroit Tigers now. Um, the Houston Astros. I took the Blue Jays because I simply don't want the Dodgers to win. And I think the Blue Jays, from what I am aware of, have just as much ability and potential to do it as anybody else. Uh, yeah, I, I just hate the Dodgers as well. So, and I can't, it's, uh, they're just not a fun team to cheer for. So and speaking you. of, I would love to see Tommy become a baseball fan because the Blue Jays. From the six are taking home. No way. If we there's no chance we got Tommy being a baseball fan by the end of this podcast. No chance. If the Blue Jays come out swinging, just they're going to. They're going to come out swinging. 
I know. Tom, Tom, if you're listening right now, Blue Jays come to Detroit. Hit your boy up. I got you. Oh, I'm bringing. They're gonna I'm be fun you. to watch. They're I'm bringing you. Well, come, come watch your your team, America's team, play Canada's team. It'll <laughs> be a great. It's a battle of the nations. I love it. Uh, this is episode 59. I came up with two athletes, both Ooh. linebackers. Ooh, okay. One of our, I would say, like early childhood, high school, maybe into high school. The other, more recent, but both uh, highly accoladed. London Fletcher and Luke Keekley. Oh, Luke Keekley's a good one. Talking about savants, they said he was a savant on the football field. Like people say his football IQ and play recognition was like unbefore seen to the league. I, I would believe that. Uh two very good ones. Uh both beat anything I had to bring to the table. We're kind of hitting those numbers where I'm running out of people. Um yeah, the I had Carlos Carrasco, so not a whole lot to bring oh. to the table. On my Who end, Carrasco. Uh, so I, I vote Luke Keekley. Okay, I can I can certainly take Luke Keekley. Anything else for the people before we get out of here? This has been our longest episode of the reboot. Oh, we're gonna get roasted on social <laughs> media for the length of this episode. Yes, we are. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna not like it at all. But hey, you know, uh, it's a banger still. Banger always, always bangers. Always bangers. That's a Sayonara shout out this week. <laughs> yeah, that's my Sayonara shout out. Always bangers. Always bangers. Beautiful. I couldn't say it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, so I'll leave you with this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fellow degenerates like Mr. Munz and myself that you've listened to in your earphones, your earbuds, your headphones, maybe I'll use the pause button. Don't <laughs> complain. Use the pause button. Uh, just enjoy yourself. Uh, this has been episode 59 of the cutback podcast until next time keep your head on a swivel and try not to get laid the fuck out